0: But let's go ahead and pray, and we will get started. Uh, Father, we come here this morning, and we pray that your word would be heralded, that we would meet with you this morning, Christ, that your Holy Spirit would awaken your word and your scriptures in our heart this morning, Lord, to that we would erupt in vibrant worship uh, after the teaching this morning, that we would hear your proclamation of the word, and that we, you would open our ears to hear it. And you'd open the speakers to preach it. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So this is probably my last topical sermon for a while, in my eyes, unless we think of something. I, don't, uh, I did the marriage series for 24 to 26 weeks or something, and that's enough topic for me. Uh, and in the last couple of years, I've done one on New Year's Eve or, or, or pretty close to the new year. Um, On goal setting and various things that we, you know, a lot of people in the new year have uh, set different goals and different aspirations for the new year. And I don't know, probably most of them are short lived. Uh, That's at least my perception of it. And so hopefully that's not the case when we think about the goals that the Lord sets for us in in scripture reading and meeting with him and worship and and evangelism and praise and and church attendance and fellowship and things like that. But I wanted to get away a little bit, and we'll get to maybe some practical things towards the end on, on goal setting and how to really embrace the means of grace in your life and how God delivers grace to you and how to apprehend it. We'll get to a little bit more practical things towards the end, but I really want to talk about how God just fundamentally works these everyday, ordinary miracles into our lives. And so most of the time, this is how God works. Most of the time, uh, I don't see heaven stretching open and angels descending down and telling me how to live my life or to reminding me to worship God. Uh, I don't see that on my Drive into work on Monday mornings. Uh, I don't see it. I don't. Uh, and so, most of the time, uh, what we have a tendency to do as humans is we do marvel at God's extraordinary miracles, and He does them. He open, He stretches open heaven, and He gives us uh, extraordinary miracles. He heals people. He raises people from the dead. Delivers them from demons. He does all of these extravagant things. Uh, but, and we tend to minimize the everyday miracles that the lord does and so these everyday miracles including setting people free from sin transforming someone's worldview from a a pagan or a selfish worldview into a biblical worldview right i can't change my mind i've tried to change my mind on subjects it doesn't work uh, i've tried to change other people's minds i can't do it, it does, the power doesn't rest in me the power rests in god those are miraculous things when you're transforming uh, as the as Paul would say in Romans, that you're renewing your mind, and that'd be according to a biblical worldview. It's a miracle when uh, a Christian over the course of a decade goes from an immature state to a mature state, right? That is a miraculous work of God. He didn't or she didn't do it on their own. And equipping someone with a passion that translates into ministry right? That's a miracle. That's a sign of God's fruit on someone's hands, in someone's hands. That's not something that originated in their self. It's a gift from God, and it's miraculous, right? When someone goes from, from apathetic, from a low view, from not having a lot of uh, a passion or, or unction, and you start to see that God works in them, a, a passion, and that translates into ministry, that's a miracle, Right And none of that originates in us that doesn't start with us. I don't say, hey, I'm very self I'm apathetic today. let's not be that way right I might notice it, but again, that's because God would open my eyes to that right and so god's always it's always a gift from God, and he does this in in these ordinary everyday miracles, right He's the first mover, he's the first first cause, right but we certainly have to cooperate with him and God gives us these wonderful opportunities where he's he's delivering grace to us he's delivering these opportunities every day but we still have to apprehend and and cooperate with God Amen. and so the primary way our lord does that is through his word is through the scriptures being empowered by the holy spirit right and so the Bible is, is just kind of wrought with Bible verses about the power of the word, about what it accomplishes, about the scriptures. We even have a resource called the Bible on the importance of Bible study that has a, a, a small amount of those. It's only 56 Bible verses listed in 14 topics that we, that we use as a resource um, that, that, uh, that our pastor put together. And that's only 56 examples in the Bible of what the Bible says about the Bible. That's a very small number. There's hundreds of verses about what Scripture says about the power of the Word, about the Scriptures, about what it accomplishes. And so as as sons and daughters of Christ, as Christians, we don't ever mature past needing the Scriptures. We don't ever mature needing daily intake of the Word. We don't ever mature past God needing to feed us and deliver us grace through his scriptures. We don't get to a point where we say, well, I've I've gotten past this sin, or I was struggling with this for a while, and I got past it, and so we can just push the Bible aside, we can push that means of grace aside, and we could do it on our own now. We don't need God's help. We don't ever mature past that way, past that point. We don't ever mature past that point. That would be a sign of, of immaturity. And so we don't ever get to a point where God actually takes us anywhere further or delivers us into a new season of life apart from his scriptures. And so what I'm calling us to this morning is to return and remind us to meet with the Lord in the scriptures daily, to apprehend his means of grace. This is how he transforms people. These are primarily in his word is what I'm talking about this morning. There's other means of grace that God delivers to us, but the primary one is in his word. That's because when we meet with, when we apprehend the scriptures, when we read the Bible, we're actually meeting with Christ, right? John 1, 1 through 4 says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and there's not anything made that was not made through him. All things were made through him. And so he's identified as the word. He is the eternal incarnate word. And he gives us the written word so that we might meet with him. Same thing in Revelation, same concept in Revelation 19.13. that it says that Christ, uh, that his name is called the Word of God. And so when you come to the scriptures, you're not just reading it. We often get into this where we, into this drudgery, and that happens with everybody who has a good discipline of, of scripture reading. We do get into a drudgery of, oh, I gotta get my Bible in, I gotta get my Bible in. And that's true, but we should have the eyesight of, I'm going to meet with Christ. I'm going to read the word because this is in a real tangible way, I'm, I'm meeting with our Lord. And so he's given us this. He's given us this to meet with him and to hear from him daily, and we have the power to do it. He's given it to us freely, and all we have to do is open it. He's given us his presence, right? He's given us so that we would hear the voice of God. Right? Oftentimes we as uh we get into seasons of life and I hear this happen to multiple people. It's happened to me I'm like, man, I just don't I just don't know what the Lord wants to do. I wanna hear I wanna hear God direct me a little bit. And it's like, well, have you are you in the Word daily? Are you are you apprehending the scriptures? Most of the time the answer is no. If you're a little lost about about where Christ is leading you. A lot of times that's because we haven't, we've neglected the scriptures. And so Jesus isn't just waiting in heaven and waiting for us to die so that he could meet with us. He's waiting in the morning for us to open the scriptures to meet with us. He's ready to give out his grace freely. And so um, hopefully we 've all had a kind of an encounter by the Holy Spirit where he 's kind of given us the presence of christ and it 's changed us it 's changed our mind it 's changed like we're, right we all hopefully have had some kind of powerful encounter with Christ where you feel like yeah that like really that really changed me and but God offers that to us every day in his scriptures that 's his primary way of transforming people so 2 corinthians five seven says Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so from the beginning of time, this is how God does his creative work. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and he spoke it, and there was light. He said it, and it happened, right? Then he spoke uh, the, the world into existence, and he He said, let the heavens, the waters above, separate from the waters below. He said it, and it happened. He said, let the ground sprout forth vegetation, and it happened. Right? He is constantly transforming, creating, renewing, reviving through his word, through his spoken word. And so when when Israel was in captivity and he wanted to set them free, he sent forth a prophet to proclaim his word. He didn't just he did do it miraculously through signs and wonders, but the first thing he did was send a prophet to deliver the word of God so that the people would would listen. They would know the, the sign. Right? When Israel <clears throat> later goes astray and starts following after false gods over and over and over, what does he do? He sends another prophet to bring the word of God, to bring them back, to recreate them, to remind them of their purpose. Right before our Lord came in the flesh. What did he do? He sent John the Baptist. He could have just came, right? It's in all reality, and all possibilities that Jesus could have just been incarnate and not needed in any, in any ontological sense, not needed John the Baptist to come. But he planned it in such a way that he would send a herald to proclaim that this is the Christ. And he's using his words. He's using his voice, right? The Lord always sends forth his word to recreate, to transform, to change to change people, to change churches, cities, nations, right? Right. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the words of Christ. And so it's this normal, everyday miracle that God wants to deliver to us more faith. He wants to transform us by giving us his word, and what we have to do is open it. We, what we have to do is get into it. Right, this is what God wants to do from you. It's how He wants to set you free from sin. It's how He wants to give you passion for ministry. It's how He it's how He wants to change our church. It's how He wants to change your family. It's how He wants to change your life. Right, this is what God is constantly delivering as a means of grace for you, for your family, for your life. Because He says it's, it's like food. If you uh, look on the outline or go to 1 Peter 2.3, it says like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. Context is of the word that by, you, by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Uh, Caleb is today five months old. Good job, good job for Caleb, my son. And, and, and so he is waking up in the middle of the night and crying. He's wah, wah. And what's he crying? He's like, Give me food, give it to me. I'm hungry. He's not asking politely. He's longing for the the milk. Right? And it says that that the word is like that for us. It's spiritual food. It's real food. It's real sustenance. We should be longing for it. We should be begging God, give me more, give me more, show me more things in your word. Give me more time to read. Give me more times to meet with Christ in your word. Right? Deuteronomy 8.3, that that talking about when God led Israel out into the uh, desert in order that they would hunger. He humbled them and brought them out to the desert and didn't give them any food. If you've ever been to a desert, the only thing you could eat is sand. Not that great on your palate. And But he did that in order that they would hunger and that they, they would desire it. He brought them into a dry and weary place so that he would give them manna and spiritual food from heaven to show him that he says in Deuteronomy 8.3 that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so this is our food. If we go a day without food, we get hungry, we get grumpy, we feel like we're going to faint and die, right? A whole day. It's crazy. We could go much longer. But, but how many of us malnourish ourselves by neglecting the word? How many of us squeeze out time to meet with Christ in the scriptures so that because we got too busy because we want to go to bed early or we've got other things planned or we got things to do with the kids or we're going to hang out with friends or we got other people coming over? And how many of us have squeezed out time in the scriptures to hear from God for other things? We're malnourishing ourselves. In Amos 8, Uh, the Lord talks about a judgment coming to the people of Israel and a judgment in such that he's going to judge them and the consequences are going to be, it says in Amos 8.11, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land. He had sent famines before. He sent famines to Egypt. He sent famines to, to Israel out of judgment. Not a famine of bread this time, he says, nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of God. And so he says that I'm going to bring judgment on a people because they won't even hear my words. They won't. They might be proclaimed, the prophets proclaimed, to the people, to the to, those, to the Israelites. Not a lot of them listened, right? And so there was a judgment that they wouldn't even hear the words of God. And how many of us, by squeezing out time for the scriptures, squeezing out time to meet with the Lord, squeezing out time to to meet with them, when we to neglect, neglect that, that we bring judgment on ourselves. We say we don't want to hear the word. I'm getting too busy. I got other things to do. I, you know, it's a season of life, right? Uh, We bring judgment and malnourishment on ourselves when we do that. But he's freely giving it to us. He says it's like a feast. He's not giving us a little morsel of bread and say, hey, here's your little, uh, here's your little ration for today, and hopefully that will sustain you till tomorrow and I'll give you another little wafer or something that'll get you through till the next day, he's giving us a feast. When, Although it's not in direct context of, of the word, in Psalm 23 that says he, he prepares a table in the midst of our enemies, he's preparing a feast. He's preparing a large feast. He, he delights in his people. He gives them freely. He gives them tons of food. It's a great feast, Right? And all we have to do is sit down and eat. We have to apprehend it. But we say, no, I'll, I'm not gonna do that today. My daughter's got swim practice. I ran out of time. Can't feast today, right? And so this is how God uh, transforms the people. This is how he sets them free from besetting sins. This is how he takes somebody who's apathetic, gives them passion, uh, turns it into a mission. This is how God gives insight, wisdom, direction. He doesn't do it outside of the word. And so sometimes we get ourselves into uh, that that state where even if we're, maybe we don't have a besetting sin, or maybe we're not essentially apathetic, but we're not surely going to get any wisdom. We ask God for wisdom and things and in certain directions, and surely we do need the Holy Spirit to guide us on a daily, I don't, I don't, Uh, I don't want to neglect that. We do need, the Bible doesn't say uh, directly whether I should have uh, ham or roast beef for lunch. Uh, I don't see a Bible verse for that. I'm in the new covenant. Uh, The the best I could do is that Jesus said he made all foods clean and I'll just eat both. (laughs) But, you know, there's, there's things that aren't, in our lives that we need the Holy Spirit's direction for, but the more we are fed and fattened by the word, the easier it is for us to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit on on decisions where the Bible, uh, in our lives, where we have to make decisions, right? So don't waste your life. I'm saying don't go another year without getting on a Bible reading plan, without apprehending the scriptures, without meeting with Christ daily, right? Um, Don't be uh, the, there's a a habit of some people who you'll see that it's like, here's a struggle or or this even happens out on, on nominal things like New Year's resolutions to like work out, right? It's my New Year's resolution to work out this year and last year to work out more. And I'm not doing a lot, but it's December. I'm not doing a lot. And last year, my New Year's resolution was to work out more, exercise more. I'm getting older, I want to be mobile. And the last year, my resolution was work out more. And the year before that, it was to work out more. And I'm not a workout junkie, so it's not, I'm not being that consistent. Maybe for a couple weeks or, or something, it's not a life altering, it's not a discipline that's worked itself into my routine, into my life, that I do it whether, I'm, whether I have the whim or the will to do it or not. And what I want to call people to is is just a reminder, because the new year is a great time for this, is to daily apprehend the scriptures, daily meet with Christ. You're not going to get set free from sin. You're not going to have wisdom. You're not going to have direction. You're not going to have passion for the Lord apart from that. He doesn't, you know, the Holy Spirit might come and do miracles in your life, but he's going to direct you to, to meet with him in his word daily. And so John Uh, 8, 31 and 32, when Jesus says that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is how God wants to deliver his people. I've had experience where God just changes me right then, right there. I was done with a sin and praise God for that. But much more have I had times where I've struggled with a sin for weeks, months, or years, and he set me free by regular getting with him in his word, memorizing scripture, reading the truth, and the truth really does set you free. Our Christ, our Lord, later prays in his high priestly prayer in John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And so sanctification isn't just meaning that I'm going to become progressively more holy, I'm going to get free from besetting sins. That is true, but sanctification really means to be set apart when we are saints we are sanctified people we are people that god chose and set us apart we will be different from the world we live differently we believe differently we talk differently uh, we we do everything just about everything differently and so if you're wonder if you're if you don't have a besetting sin and and you're just kind of apathetic and, and wandering and, and you're wondering, like, where does the Lord want me to go? I believe that every Christian has a ministry. I think every, the Lord has prepared a ministry in some sense to every Christian. That's what uh, Ephesians 4.11 talks about, and I, and I have to believe that. That might just be a ministry to your family for a while. That might just be a ministry... Um, a small ministry doesn't mean it's a public ministry, but I believe that the Lord equips and sanctifies and works in a ministry for every believer. And you do it in the truth. You do it in the word. That's how he sets them apart. That's how he gives people passion that, that moves them in one direction or, or another. And so having a foundation of rigorous, of saying, I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to meet with the Lord every day. I'm going to read, right? Sometimes you might do it begrudgingly, and we ought to do that as little as possible and, and have time set apart where it's quiet and there's no distractions, and I could actually be patient and wait on the Lord and, and read the Word. and But if you have a foundation and and that foundation of of daily scripture reading, of getting in the word, hearing from God, you will be much more apt to be able to move in the Spirit or be led by the Spirit in that way. It's uh, uh, much like if you have a New Year's resolution to work out more and you get a gym membership, and if you just say, I'm going to work out more, and you don't make a plan, you're not going to work out more. you're not going to do it. I don't believe you. You don't really take it seriously. You don't really want to work out more. You don't really want to get fit. You don't really want to stay healthy. You just have this idea, and it hasn't translated into your life. But if you were to say, well, I'm going to work out more, and I'm going to go to the gym Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. That's not when I go to the gym. That's not my plan. I'm just saying this is hypothetical. Uh, Then if you do that rigorously, that doesn't mean you get there and you have a plan. It doesn't mean you're organized. It doesn't mean that you're even going to be efficient. But it doesn't mean you're going to get there and you're going to move. And you might have some more productive days than other days, but you're moving forward, right? And so you need a foundation. You need to be rigorous about it. It's better if you have a lot of free time or or you have time that's set apart where there's, where there's less distractions, But you can't say, I'm just gonna get in the word when I have time every day. You could say I'm gonna get in the word every day when I have time. And guess what? You're gonna run out of time. You're gonna get to the end of the day and be like, oh, I gotta get to sleep. (laughs) And I'm tired because I didn't I did all this other stuff today. And so you have to have a foundation of, of some kind of discipline, of, of some kind of time. It's better if you have a reading plan, It's, but it's better to say, I'm going to read every morning at 7 a.m., and you wake up, and you read, and you just open up your Bible, and you say, I'm reading uh, Matthew 13 today, and I'm reading Psalm 86 tomorrow, and that's better than waking up and saying, I'm going to read the Bible sometime today. I suggest you get a little bit more of a foundation and have a reading plan, and we have uh, about five yearly reading plans that we, that I could, I could email you, I could uh, show you, I could distribute. Um, I just keep like four bookmarks in here, and I just say I'm reading from Genesis to Malachi because that's really easy for me, and I'm I get confused easily. And I'm reading from Matthew to Revelation, and that's what I do because I get confused easily. And I'm not going to keep track of like I'm reading Isaiah 4, 28 to 92 or whatever and piece it out. That's not, I'm not that disciplined, but you need to have some kind of discipline, some kind of foundation, because that's how God wants to feed you, right? Most people have a time set apart of when they eat, when they have meals, same, do the same thing with the word. And so I don't believe that God will bless you, I don't believe God will bless your family, I don't believe that God will bless a church in evangelism or, or outreach, Uh or, or in very many ways, unless you, unless they're your family, unless we are a people who are dedicated to God's word. When we're not meeting in the scriptures, God's handing out graciously to us. He's, you know, people of uh, centuries ago had died so that we could have this in writing. And when we neglect it, we're saying we're rejecting God. That's what we're doing. And so... Um, I don't think God blesses people very much who aren't in the word regularly, who aren't regularly wanting to meet with him and have faith enough to uh, to sit down you know, daily and, and read his word. And so because of what wineskin are they being brought into? And so I say change the wineskin. Here's your wineskin. God's given it to you. And so some of us might be in in the grips of, of sin. And the word speaks of that in Ephesians 6, when we talk about the, the armor of God, when he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, right? This is not you doing this. This is not you mustering up enough strength. This is not you doing works to for your own salvation. This is not you getting yourself out of sin. And but what goes on in, in the armor of God, you've got the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. You've got the shield of the spirit that is able to distinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. You've got the, the, the shoes of the gospel of peace that make you ready. And these are all defensive tactics. And you cannot win a battle by defense. You cannot. You can sustain yourself for a while. You could get huddled up, and you can get attacks, and you're going to get, people are going to beat on you. The, the world, your flesh, and the devil are just going to beat you down until they get through a little bit here, they get through a little bit there. There's a little break in your armor, but you'll never win if there's no offense. And the only offense, Paul says here, by the word, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, which causes him to pray at all times in the Spirit, right, making prayers and supplication. But the only offense that the Lord has given us, or his main offense here we see, is the Scriptures. You take it and you get offensive with it. Towards besetting sins. You could take this and you can get offensive towards other people with it. I'll let you handle that one uh, on your own but this is how if if you have besetting sins in your life if you have depression if you have lust anxiety if you have apathy you have all you know you have anything that is kind of ongoing the lord is giving you scriptures there's power in the word to set you free that's his promise and you have to use it in an offensive way you have to attack the sin you have to apprehend it you have to memorize it you have to have it in you for times when, you know, in a, on the setting as if it's something you regularly struggle with, you know what that is. Let's say, like with lust, memorize Matthew 5, that if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Because it's far better to enter hell with one eye and one hand than it is, or I'm sorry, to enter the kingdom of God (laughs) with one eye and one hand than it is to enter hell with two eyes and two hands. Right? And there's tons of scriptures on, on lust, sexual immorality, apathy, depression, Right, That, you, that is God is giving you as a gift to arm yourself. And so he's given you the armor. He's given you the sword. Use it. Psalm 119, in verse 9, he says, How can a young man keep his ways pure? By guarding it according to your word. Right. That's where you start. Skip down to verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so the way you defeat besetting sins is by memorizing scripture, storing it up in your heart, but also there will be times in every believer's life where calamity strikes. You don't know when it's coming, but if you don't have this in your heart and you don't have this in your mind and you don't have scriptures on hand ready, you're just at the whim and at, the, at, at, at whatever calamity, whatever tragedy comes to your life. And by God's grace he he wants to lead you out of that. He wants to comfort you through that or whatever uh, whatever the tragedy may be. but the more you have stored up in you, the better are you per, are prepared for what God uh, delivers to you, whether it's whether it's uh, the Lord giving or the Lord taking away. And so lastly in in Matthew I uh, can't remember was it 12 or 13. Matthew 13 Matthew yeah Matthew 13 Luke 8 and Mark 4 Jesus talks about the parable of the sower or, or of the the four soils and the soil the the soil is human hearts and the seed is the word of God or the word of the kingdom and so there's the one that gets plucked up by the enemy and they just don't understand and there's the one that grows up quickly and then gets scorched by the sun because it doesn 't have any depth to it there's no real depth to their to their beliefs to their to their knowledge to their to their faith there's the one that grows up and looks like a mature tree but never produces fruit, which is what a tree is known by and is what a tree like if i uh, if anybody who gardens and or we've got several fruit trees in our backyard and i 'm getting ready to cut down our peach trees because Three years in a row, they haven't produced anything or the squirrels have stolen them. And so they're useless to me. They're taking up space and a lot of energy to try to cultivate and, and try to get these peaches. But if it never produces any fruit, it never produces its purpose. What it was made for, because the cares of the world and the desires led them astray from a devotion to Christ, from the words of the kingdom, from the words of God that would produce fruit for it. Mm-hmm. But the fourth seed that gets planted deep in humans hearts deep in human hearts, that gets cultivated and, and sprouted, produces fruit, sometimes thirty, sometimes sixty, and sometimes a hundredfold that's through the word of god getting deep into your heart deep into your soul and into your spirit. And so maybe you're not struggling with besetting sins, maybe you're not struggling with with uh some kind of ongoing thing but you don't know where the lord is leading you. You don't you're not necessarily fruitful. You're not maybe uh necessarily have a passion for something. You know there's not you don't know that, uh, you know, in Ephesians 4.11, it talks about that the apostles, prophets, shepherds, teachers are given to the saints to equip them for ministry. And so I believe that your ministry usually comes out of some kind of passion or some kind of leading by the Holy Spirit of like, this is what I want to do. This is what he wants me to do. Uh, usually, he doesn't call you to a long-term mission field or a long-term uh, fruitfulness of like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta volunteer in the kids' ministry again. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> they're crazy down there. <laughs> I can't do it. Right? He's probably not calling you to do that long term if you can't get into the right heart and and right attitude about it. But I believe that the Lord is, but it, but is equipping every believer for some kind of ministry in some way, and he gives you a passion, he gives you the, the wisdom and how to do that and lead you through that, and it primarily starts in meeting with him in the word. That's how you get fruitfulness. That's how, you, that's how he leads his people. That's how he leads people into, into deep waters. All right? Psalm. let's end with uh, Psalm 1. It's a good one to memorize. It's a good place to start. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season in its season and its leaf does not wither in all that he does he prospers the wicked are not so they are like chaff that the wind drives away Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Right? Verse 3, He is like a tree planted by streams of water, who yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. That's the man, that's the woman, who meditates on the law of God day and night. It's constantly in you. That's the foundation that God is calling us to and reminding us in. This is how he produces fruitfulness. We won't be a fruitful church. You won't have a fruitful family. You yourselves won't produce very much fruit or won't produce any fruit apart from being deep in the scriptures daily. We don't mature past it. And this is God's miraculous work to us that we get to apprehend every day. We get the opportunity to meet with Christ, to be transformed, to get a passion, to get equipped, to become fruitful. And so let's pray and ask God for grace in that. Father, we pray that your word would go deep in our spirit. You would transform us. You would give us a passion to meet with you, that we would not call judgment on ourselves by neglecting the word, that there are wonderful things in here, Lord. Let us see them. Bless us, bless our congregation, bless your people of God in your word as we dedicate ourselves to your word, Jesus. Amen.